For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it's the beginning of June, but film study with Ken McCusick still continues. They were just OTAs, so we're going to get into the OTAs this week. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing all right, except see, I'm a baseball guy, and the Orioles aren't playing so well. You're at least you're a hockey guy. I'm not into hockey, so you got to be having a lot of fun with the Caps, I'm sure. Oh yeah, no, we're in hockey euphoria right now here with the Caps up two to one, and. You know, I feel bad about this because last year, right before the Bengals game, I had the the Bengals at a, sorry the Ravens at about ninety three percent to make the playoffs, and of course that didn't work out. Uh, Might have been ninety three percent again before fourth and twelve, and and it still didn't work out. But anyway, the the Caps as of right now up two to one in the series. If you look at international gambling markets, have about a sixty nine point four percent chance to win the Stanley Cup, and that's a hell of a lot better than it's ever been for Caps fans out there. Yeah, I'm I'm really tempted to get on the bandwagon. The problem is is I've been way too outspoken about my hatred of Washington and my my love of seeing DC teams fail that I can't get on the bandwagon right now unless it would be on the Las Vegas bandwagon. So I'm just staying uh, out of it. 
Las Vegas is an easy team to like, and I think also an easy team to hate as well in terms of of who they are. That they're uh, you know cast as a bunch of right. misfits who are thrown together and whatnot. But on the other hand, they're that they're a veteran hockey team that that basically benefited from some tremendous expansion rules. We yeah. don't have to get into all that tonight because we're here to talk football. No, but that, that is a question I had for you because I can't figure it out as a baseball f- and football fan mm-hmm. if that would irritate me or be excited about it. As a non-hockey fan, it's exciting to see a team like Las Vegas come in. But I know if the if Portland got a baseball team and suddenly they've got all this draft is leaning in their favor and suddenly they win the World Series, that's going to tick me off. No, it would be highly irritating, especially for us, since it's been a long time since we've had a World Series winner. Uh, and and I think that the one of the next expansion team will also be in the same division with Las Vegas in the Pacific Division, and Las Vegas's team will be protected if it happens within two years from having additional players drafted. And so the new team might not only get to not, have to not draft, but they'll have the same rules as Las Vegas had as they as it now stands. They'll pay the same amount for the franchise. They'll have potentially a very good team to start with as well. And Las Vegas will be protected. It's the worst thing for that Pacific division. So, uh, yes, I'd be pissed off if, uh, <laughs> if, if the were Caps there. were playing out there. Gotcha. All right. But uh, this is a football podcast. OTAs <laughs> just happened. So you got to go see Joe Flacco throw the long ball. Um, let's get into the OTAs. Sure. So a little, little bit of everything. I'd say the most significant thing that, that you have to bring up first the, with any kind of off-season training activity is, is the avoidance of injuries has to be paramount. And so these are non-contact practices, which is an important thing. So that doesn't mean non-physical, but they're, they're not, I'm sorry, they're padless practices, I should say. Right. But we had which, injury issues last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, last year they lost Tavon Young on one of the early days of OTAs. And an additional number of players were gone by the first couple of weeks of camp. I mean, just injury after injury. And the Ravens actually had fairly decent injury luck once the season started after the Yonda injury in week two and the Urban injury in week three really capped it off. But they uh, they had uh, uh, some, you know, then had some recovery and whatnot happening. But Tavon Young is just now back to practicing. And by the way, he looks really good at the nickel. Now, that's very good. excited about that's, his season. That's yeah. something that excites me is Tavon Young. Yeah. Good player, good good guy to get a jersey of. If you want to be a custom jersey guy and be that that slick character, go ahead and put on the the T Young thirty six on because he now wears number twenty five. But he wore thirty six as a rookie, and then you can say, "Well, I knew him first. And you know, oh, that's a good idea. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Get the out of date number so yeah. you're not a bandwagon guy. There you go. So uh, anyway, they, the uh, there was one specific moment that I wanted to bring up was that uh, Tony Jefferson was in coverage of one of the receivers, and I didn't note who it was in my book. But uh, as he was in coverage, he got kind of tangled up at the end of the route, and Harbaugh came right over to him and said, Tony, I'd rather he catch that ball. That's a ball I'd rather he, he catch than have you guys get tangled up and lose somebody here this time of the year. So it's it's nice to – Hear that as a focus of these practices and really taking care of each other as players. Very important during the season. Everybody's fighting for jobs, but you gotta you gotta take care of each other. Right, right. All right. Um, so, all right, we got injuries out of the way. Let's get OTAs. It's all about the passing game. Without, yeah, that's that's the right. We're just gonna throw the ball, and it's a chance for Joe to throw show off that arm. Yeah. So it's a it's a lot of that fine tuning. And, you know, the guys showed a lot of rust, I think. I think the receivers 
are not quite have their hands in the right place uh, where they want to be. And I, I know there's been some reporting that's made a big deal out of this. I don't really take it as that big a deal as of this point in the season. I thought some receivers looked very good. But uh, but there's been other – other uh, the quarterbacks are not quite as accurate as they probably will be later. Uh, Joe still looks like he has an enormous cannon arm. And, and really when you compare it to Jackson, he has a tremendous arm. Um, and you see it on the on the long balls. Jackson did some interesting things of his own. Uh, one of the things that's it's funny to watch in these OTAs, they don't really rush the passer in the same way. And when they do, they run right by the quarterback, uh, you know, without making contact, of course. And the quarterbacks kind of meander around the pocket, can, can sometimes take quite a long time to throw. Might be some good practice for the Ravens receivers actually learning to extend their routes. And that'll be something that'll be important if Jackson – uh, get some time playing this year is that they they extend routes because he'll extend pocket time, and Flacco meanders around the pocket, and then he throws a throws a long ball. But but Jackson will will meander around the pocket, and in so doing, he'll manipulate the defense if he rolls out because there's certain players that have to then rush the quarterback by design, and he once he can force that to happen, then he can throw he can pick up an open receiver out of that. So he's good about manipulating the defense with his legs. I like that about him in terms of, of what he brings to the offense. Uh, so anyway, I thought that part of the passing game from the quarterback's perspective, you know, all looked fine for this time of the year. So they're not, they're not telling the defense to go ahead and uh, hit Joe a little bit, like maybe hope, <laughs> hope for an OTA injury. Yeah, no, let's, uh, let's, let's see what he can do. Huh? So I, I hope nobody's really hoping for that. I mean, the, the Ravens not. chances in 2018 are a lot better if Flacco can, uh, yes. can be there, be ready. And and if, if they go to Jackson in 2018, I think it will be because it's an emergency, not because of, uh, you know, a desire to make the, make the change for a contending team now uh, earlier rather than later. Right. Right. It's not time yet. Yeah. Ideally. Um, uh, you mentioned wide receivers. You mentioned Rust. How about my boy, Brashard Perriman? Well, yeah. I got, let's go through a few of the other receivers, too. We'll get to okay. Perriman last because you're going to just be making all kinds of noise in the background when I do that. So <laughs> Sneed, uh, you know, signed this year. Uh, he had an early drop in practice that I saw on Thursday, but I thought he was very effective finding holes in the zone. So the defense goes into zone coverage, and he seemed to have a couple of times where he found – a way to be five yards from any coverage guy. And that's very impressive and something the Ravens are going to need out of their slot receiver. So uh, positive notes on him. Uh, Crabtree was at the podium after practice and was asked about leadership. And he had some, some points he made that I thought were interesting and very honest, honestly. Uh, Crabtree said, they asked him, you know, what's, how do you feel about being a leader? And, and uh, do you want to be a leader in this thing? And, and, he, and he said he didn't really have any choice. And that's a good realization of what the situation is because Michael Crabtree is by far the oldest receiver the Ravens have. And he's going to always be a guy given his success in the league over time that, that, that other receivers are going to look to and say, how do I want to be more like this guy? But, and I go ahead. But was that given with some attitude of, I don't want to be a leader, but I'm forced yeah. into it. That's the, that's I, the I, way I kind of read it. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a two components about this. One is he doesn't really want to be a leader. I think that's, that's true. But the second part is that at least he has the realization at this point in his career that the other players are going to be looking at him. So you don't have a choice. So you have to be kind of careful about what you do and how you act. And I think if I had to compare his attitude towards it to Jeremy Macklin's, I'll take, I'll take Crabtree any day. 
And I, it's been funny because Twitter has exploded with negative commentary about Crabtree and his leadership. And, you know, he's going to lead the league and drop passes and this and that. From what I saw last year, a lot of why Crabtree had a fair number of drops, particularly on contested balls, was that he had more contested balls because he was Derek Carr's bailout guy. Derek Carr would would run around the pocket, he'd scramble, and he'd have to he'd get to a point where he had to get rid of the ball, and his natural inclination was to grow to Crabtree, who would often be covered because Crabtree would have the best chance to make a catch even though he was covered and would also be careful about not letting an interception occur. So yeah. I think that was the reason for a lot of it. Well, I, I hope Crabtree is Flacco's bailout guy too instead of a tight end or, or running back like we're used to. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, it's it, it would be nice to throw some 10 and 12-yard passes and not four-yard passes on third down when you need nine. Exactly. Yeah. So, Brashad Perriman, you want to hear about. Uh, he was praised by Harbaugh. I actually asked the question about Perriman playing with speed. My real thing I was trying to get at from Harbaugh was, what had he done to improve himself during the offseason? And so he started talking about Perriman's speed. You know, he was playing very fast and that he was also catching the ball better than he had last year. And he was, he was happy with that. And then he went back to my question and he said, you know, he told me he did some practice, practice some route running during the offseason, but there wasn't much there. And I kind of got the impression he wanted to gloss over that. And with regard to the speed in the hands, he made a very interesting final comment that he wanted to, Rashad wanted to carry that all the way into the preseason. Well, Brashad Perriman's year does not end in the preseason, of course. He should want to carry it into the season. Right. But what I'm drawing from that is it's he, Harbaugh is not really making promises about him making the roster. And that I think there is a good chance, given the mix of youth and veterans that, that they're really committed to, that Perriman, who's a fourth-year player with no fifth-year commitment, might not be around come opening day. So. Uh, we'll see how that works out. All right. Guess I won't be buying a Bouchard Perriman jersey. Yeah, you and your your, your your hatred of the guy. He's he's obviously not performed. Anyway, the other guy from the same draft who or from a, a draft later who has performed uh, well is Young. Uh, he looked great. Uh, I thought he made the highlight grab of the day. Um, I'm sorry, Young. Moore is who I mean. Chris Moore. The highlight grab of the day on Thursday, uh, far down the right sidelines and uh, laid out for the ball, looked great. Uh, I thought both the tight ends looked like good hands catchers as opposed to body catchers. And, you know, we heard that. You hear it scouted. But this was my first chance to see him live, really doing the right things. Uh, throws from an NFL quarterback, even if they're uh, just in seven-on-seven seven drills and 11-on-11s uh, in some cases. But both of them look good, both Andrews uh, and Hurst. How, how about the tight ends? I know we're not going to see much on the block. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm sorry. That's both Andrews oh, okay, and tight ends. Both, both okay, Andrews and right to them. Okay. Yeah. And again, with the with the tight ends with Hurst, you're going to see more of just his hands not blocking necessarily at OTAs, right? Yeah, that's what we would see. And Hurst is really the bigger blocking asset, as you're you're kind of alluding to there. Uh, Andrews is more of a split player, but Andrews is exciting because here's the thing: Andrews he can split out wide like Dennis Pitta did, and he's got a, probably a little more in the tool bag than uh, in the toolbox than Pitta had in terms of route running skills, hands, and speed. Okay, so he's just a little bit better physical specimen than 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 Pitta was. And given that, it's going to be harder for other teams to decide if they want to play nickel when he comes on the field. So the, the prototype situation will be the Ravens put in a two tight end set with one running back and two wide receivers. Well, normally in the NFL, you'd probably put the standard defense on the field 
and the, the defense gets to change second if there's an opportunity if there's any changes made by the offense you put the you put on a standard two cornerback two safety four defensive backs total on the field and I don't know that you can really afford to do that because I think Andrews could probably eat a safety alive if he's covering the slot. I know he can eat a linebacker alive if he's if he's in the slot. So he's an interesting player, and and even though he's drafted later in round three, I think he might be the bigger mismatch value for the Ravens. Hurst is going to hopefully help out the tackles, whichever side he lines up on with uh, some of that blocking. And you mentioned we didn't really see that in OTAs. Right. Um, all right. On the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned uh, – Young being back and and looking healthy and all. What else can you really take away from the defense with these OTAs? Well, I think most of what you have to pick out is really in the secondary and maybe at linebacker and how they're how they're doing. How do they look? Uh, you have the seven on seven drills. They're really like seven on eights. They sometimes have. It's not always seven on seven exactly, but but they're. I think the general classification of these seven on eights or six on eights are are really seven on sevens is what they call them. Um, you see a lot of tight man-to-man coverage in those situations. You see uh, times when the linebacker is told to hold back for a certain amount of time before he runs up to cover a running back and, and releases on that. So you see some of that. Um, what we saw more than anything in the 11-on-11 drills, which are the important reps, is that there were mostly passing situations. And I thought what was interesting is the Ravens are still playing a lot of dime, and you know I can't give away anything specific tactically uh, on this, but both Clark and Jefferson uh, were in the primary three, and I was very happy with the variation of usage between those two. So there's a lot of differences in terms of how they're lining up, and uh, and we saw Wendell, I think, mostly on the back end where I'd expect him to be, but but uh, but those two, I was very very happy to see a little bit less of Deshaun Elliott and and Kai Nakua, who are who are the other uh, safeties they have. Important point here, uh, Harbaugh in his interviews said that Anthony Levine had had surgery on his foot this offseason. And if you remember back to the Bengals game, uh, Levine was pulled after only four plays. And we mentioned on the podcast that we were upset about a lot of things that week, certainly. Um, we, we mentioned on the podcast that Levine had left the game and wasn't in for the big fourth and twelfth play. 12th play. Right. Well, he had limped off, and I was afraid it might have been an Achilles injury. I still have not gotten word on what the injury is, but because it's foot surgery, you know, the two things that come immediately to mind are Achilles or Liz Frank. And either one of those, I'm afraid he's going to miss time this year, which kind of makes the the acquisition of Nakua make sense. He's the fifth safety. The team will probably keep four safeties, and you want to have them all practicing special teams and, and being available during the preseason so that if you do have another injury, you still have four, you, you have five to make four, right. so to speak. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so strong, strong dime. Looks like they're going to be really playing the dime more, which is great because that's what you've been pushing for. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I love the dime. And then, uh, and I'm so excited for Tavon Young to, to be back, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's that. It is great news, and he seems very happy. One of the things Tavon Young was also at the podium, and they asked him, you know, are, are you played outside corner as a rookie? And he really looked to me like the kind of guy that would be take the Lordarius Webb role, where he's an outside corner who moves to the slot on third down. 
But he says, you know, I really like being a nickel. It's where the action is. I believe were his were, were his words. But you you can rush the passer. You can you can cover. You can do a whole bunch of different things. And he he seemed to be embracing the role, which I'm very happy with. That he doesn't feel like he needs to be on the field every play. I still think he could end up that way in his career, that he may emerge and, and be so good they really can't keep him off the field. But for right now, I think we'll see Kennedy on the outside uh, play more. By the way, Maurice Kennedy was not there on Thursday, and I, I never did get the reason for that, but uh, but he was not at practice on Thursday. All right. Uh, OTAs is also a great time to kind of look at the guys and see who's been taking this offseason a little off, who's been, <laughs> who maybe uh, ate a little too much fast food this offseason. Uh, are the guys looking like they're in shape, ready to go, or anyone stand out to you as as out of it? Yeah, I, I, there were a couple guys. I mean, one guy who who clearly is really working to get in shape is Orlando Brown. I mean, we I I did uh, the work on him from Oklahoma at the beginning of the year, and he really looked tubby in that game. And they had a good picture that posted with my article. I mean, the guy really looks fat. Unfortunately, he looks much more slender that if you look on the Ravens website, there's pictures of him at the podium. He looks a lot better. Uh, well, he, it's amazing when you've got some finances behind it, how you get a little motivation. Well, there you go. I mean, in some ways he's already been signed, but yeah, you're right. He will, he'll have to play for a second contract and he'll, he'll certainly want to want to do a good job with that. And he may have uh, whatever other incentives well, that, are in the contracts. Really. Plus he's got the uh, Ravens facility and the health coaches and the, the whole staff at his uh, reach now. Yeah, they, there was there were several mentions of that in terms of the you know really getting in touch with the strength coach in terms of what he wants from you, uh, being a being a common comment. But yeah, Brown looks good. He really he, he really looks big. And he looks slender. Gregory Sanat looks like he's put on a few pounds, which he needed to do. Uh, he was he was at about two hundred and ninety when they drafted him, and he's now lists at six six three oh five, a very long tackle. Uh, he's certainly got the arm length to play left tackle. And I think Sanat is left tackle or nothing at this for 2018 okay. specifically. I think they'll, they'll keep him on the field. He might, he might be forced into a place where he has to play right tackle because they, because that's who gets hurt because Orlando Brown gets hurt. But I, I think that he's the guy who needs to replace Stanley if anything happens to him. So they're going to, I think he'll get most of his reps at left tackle. You'll see, and this is a big test for the Ravens offensive line coaching to see if they can keep him or, or progress his development probably a year in advance of what we would normally see from a developmental tackle. They normally take at least until the second year to be anything. But with Sanat, they really need him to be available, I think, in 2018. So I hope that I hope that they'll work with him and they'll and they'll accelerate his development all right well i can relate to sanat because if you wanted me to put on 15 pounds i would need the strength and health coaches as well to figure that one out there you go you're the same kind of drink of water there that's for sure you're lucky you're like that man right um all right also in your notes you have uh patrick ricard yeah so patrick ricard i i had heard some talk during the off season that he was going to try and get lighter and play fullback at 275 or 265 that sort of thing uh, that seemed to be complete crap. <laughs> He's, he came in 6'3", 304. He looks every bit of 304. He's still taking reps on the defensive line in addition to, to at fullback. And, you know, one point that I'll make is he only played one snap on the defensive line after October 15th last season. So this could have been a case where they just put him in a blue jersey, which is the color the offense wears, and they don't, they don't uh, change him at all. But he's still wearing the white. 
Uh, so uh, he he's a defensive player first, and and uh, a fullback when they put him in there, he looks like an odd color. Uh, but uh, he's a he's uh, playing both positions, and he's still looking to play two ways. All right, then uh, Zach Sealer. You say he's part of this five tech that he's tall, powerful, and his hands look fast to me. I keep reading your notes, and I keep seeing he's tall, powerful, and handsome. Oh, so, yeah. But you're just talking fast about hands. his hands, yeah. not not his look. Yeah, I'm sure there's any number of women out there would be happy to judge that. But uh, but he's he's definitely very tall, very powerful, and he was up against you know some second team guys. And honestly, Maurice Shakir is probably not going to make the team on the offensive line. But his hands looked way too fast for Maurice Shakir on Thursday. So it was very impressive. I like to see it. That's my first real opportunities to see technique-wise what he had. The Ferris State, there's a little bit of highlight tape stuff out there for Sealer, but you know how I don't really trust highlights. So it was a uh, it was nice to see him in person and, uh, and, and doing that. He'll be a player I'll definitely be watching in the preseason. All right. Uh, we've got a few mailbag questions we can get to. Uh, did I miss anything about OTAs before we open up the mailbag? No, I think that's good. And we uh, there are some other good o- uh, mailbag questions we had on the OTAs here, so let's get to those. All right, let's see. First one up is from uh, Marcus Wyke, W-Y-C-H-E. How are I think that you? might be Weish, like Sam Weish. All right, we can go with Weish. Uh, he can correct us. But he wants to know how are the UDFAs looking? So the uh, free agents. Yeah, you know there are there are certainly a lot of them here, and there were a number that were kind of interesting pickups. The guy I've got my eyes on is is Alvin Jones, the linebacker, and uh, and he's a five ten two thirty, slightly undersized inside linebacker but he might be the kind of two-down thumper the Ravens need. A little undersized, but if you can put on a little weight on that frame, he could still be a kind of a wrecking ball. Uh, He's a lot bigger than Peanut. Uh, He's a little smaller, obviously, than Correa, but uh, but I think he could be a guy who makes the team. He's uh, more of a size and shape comparison to maybe somebody like Bam Bradley. So uh, if he, he'd be a guy who would be a, a pretty good chance to make the team uh, if, I'm, if I'm talking about UDFAs. Uh, I'm, try- I'm having trouble coming up with, in my mind, another UDFA that has really stuck out. Okay, no, I got, I got one more. Darius Williams, the cornerback, has looked good so far this year. Uh, he had a pass defense uh, on, on Thursday in the back of the end zone, and that looked really good. And he is one of the – corners that is really in the discussion the the Ravens have about 14 guys for 11 spots between corner and safety maybe that's 13 for 11 now that uh uh Anthony Levine is gone but anyway it's a it's a uh pretty tight competition and if Darius Williams would show something because he's a first-year player he'd have the advantage of other players like uh uh SJB uh Stanley um, Jean Baptiste, because because he's a fourth year player and the Ravens don't hold any option value on him. So anyway, I think that he's uh, he's someone I'd look at too in the in the preseason. All right, uh, here's an easy one from Chris O'Shea. Do we know if Joe Flacco is still wearing the knee brace? I have I have not seen it. Now I I might not know exactly what to look for. So Joe had a fairly noticeable larger size brace before, right. so he may be wearing a what I would wear to exercise now is just a 
uh, on those rare occasions that that happens, which is just a a, uh, a knee sleeve. Right, the, the foam thing. Yeah, but but he, but I didn't notice any kind of you so, know metal no. or heavy plastic thing that he was wearing over his knee. Great, so he can get back to just standard Joe Flacco awkward sliding, not the awkward sliding <laughs> that breaks the knee brace every time. Yeah, there you go. And then requires two plays off, so yeah, we, we definitely won't want Right, that. exactly. All right, let's see. Uh, Shea Ren asks, how can you create a playbook that fits a pocket passer like Joe and a mobile quarterback like Lamar or RG3? Okay, so the first thing I'll say is please go back and listen to the uh, last podcast we did, which had Dominique Foxworth on extensive discussion of Lamar Jackson. And you get a cornerback's view of this, which is very well done. He's talked to a lot of scouts. He wrote a great article on the topic. And, and we just had a really good discussion and, about it. And a guy it. who's watched a lot more of Lamar Jackson than the highlight reels and says that Lamar Jackson is a pocket quarterback. That's that's right. So he, he can he can play the NFL pocket passing game. Now, that's not to say the offense looks exactly the same when Lamar Jackson's in there because I think to make full use of Lamar's value, you do more. You you run the pocket game out of the pistol or you you do other things which allow him to draw off defenders himself as a running threat. So one of the good points that he made was that, you know, if you're going to run the ball, Lamar Jackson is a guy you have to account for. Joe Flacco is not a guy you have to account for. So, you, you, right. you know, one defender has to go and, and, and take care of him. You know, when you're in the passing game, one of the nice things about it is that he requires a spy uh, quite possibly if you want to shut him down on the, from leaving the pocket. So, or, or even reduce the chance of him leaving the pocket, shut him down. Maybe would be overstating the right. Thing. So, and those are both. No matter what your playbook says, just putting him out on the field is changing the defense. There you go. There you go. And and you know that was another good thing. I thought it's it's a very worthwhile podcast to listen to because he had a lot of good things to say about how just putting Lamar Jackson in for a couple plays every couple of weeks would be enough to drive defensive coordinators nuts because right. you have to have a package to defend it then. Right. And. I also anyway. think that what Lamar Jackson does run in the same plays as Joe Flacco is extends the plays. So That's then right. You're, then you're looking at your wide receivers that need to move a little more and not just run, cut, and end. Yeah, there, there you go. Them. So that's that's exactly true. That is such a such a true statement. And I hope that that, that there will be several players who will be able to do that. And and whether the quarterback is Joe or Lamar be able to work with an extended pocket and be able to still be trying to get open. Steve Smith had that. Anquan Bolden had that. And a whole bunch of other receivers often don't have that. And I'll point to Jeremy Macklin as one who didn't extend plays well last year and is really somebody that, that you know, that something the Ravens need done. Right. Uh, Knock me 2041 brings the discussion back to Joe Flacco with does this offensive system fit Flacco because the coordinators on offense, it seems like he's not the right uh not not the right system for him. So clearly this guy seems like one of the guys who's ready to run Joe out of here. This team still wants Joe to be their quarterback. Right. Uh, When the Ravens have had a great defense, the Ravens have never really allowed Flacco to cut loose with who he is in terms of being a, a, a passer who threw the ball over the field or threw the ball even 60 times a game. It, it's not saying it, it hasn't happened occasionally because it certainly has, and he's thrown a lot of passes recently. But when the Ravens' defense was great, he was more of a game manager. He had to be that way because, you know, they got ahead and they wanted to, to figure out a way to get the game over with, and they had 
reasonably good offensive lines, and when they didn't, they were happy to punt the ball back and let the defense run out the clock for them that way too. Um, in terms of of you know the West Coast offense fitting Flacco, that, that might be a legitimate thing. Is that uh, Joe Flacco would do better with a an offense that was functionally more about the medium passing game and the medium to long passing game and getting receivers that really fit that better. Uh, the Ravens have been limited in recent years in terms of what kind of receivers they've had. And, uh, and, you know, Joe has certainly been, you know, had the reputation of being a check down guy out of that, that, that threw a lot to, um, uh, you know, the running back, especially, and oftentimes after just one read, uh, it is what it is. I mean, Joe, at this point, he's got enormous contract for this year. The money is in as a sunk cost. There's there's no way to release him. Uh, he'll be here for 2018. We need to hope that the Joe Flacco is the Joe Flacco of 2011 or 2012 or 2014 rather than one of the other years, and uh, and that Joe is what he can be. I, I Yes, I don't get the Joe Flacco hatred. He, besides the fact that he won us quarterback five year, won us a Super Bowl five years ago, I saw USA Today this week had a like five stats about Joe Flacco, and it's pretty amazing when you put, look at him outside of the city of Baltimore. So like one of their stats was uh, that he's 15 passing touchdowns from number 33 in all time. At which point is when he'll pass Kurt Warner and Terry Bradshaw. Those huh. guys, those guys are pretty good football players. Yeah, the game was different, of course. Right, game uh, and, was different, and we all know that he has the 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 postseason records and everything, but he's number twenty five all time in passing yards. So again, that's that's pretty good for a guy who does a lot of checkdowns. Yeah, and the guy who only has one four thousand yard season in his career. I mean, right. it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I was on a Rams podcast earlier this week, and one of the things they seemed to wanted to, to talk about was, would the would, are the Ravens sorry they signed Joe Flacco to the six year deal they did after the 2012 Super Bowl? I mean, I guess my my basic reaction to that is yes, they would have done better if they'd held on to Tyrod Taylor and had him for those years in between. I don't think there's any doubt about that, given that Taylor actually has played pretty well in the years since. He right. hasn't been perfect either. But but uh, but you know, given the the relative cost and the relative you know ability to have another good player on the team with a difference in salary, uh, yeah, they probably would have done better with Taylor. Does that you know we're not there right now, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to discuss it from that standpoint. You know, the the team needs Joe to play well. They've extended him several times, and they need him to play well because they because there is no other solution that that makes sense for 2018. Right, right. Um, I. Let's finish out the mailbag with Chris Scott, who asks, can Tim Williams be the pass rush specialist that we need? Well, you know, I think this is the year we're going to find that out. And one of the nice things that happened at OTAs the other day, this was good, good Tim Williams point, is that he got praised on special teams. Okay, now why is that important? Well, because in order to be active on game day, he needs to be an effective player on special teams to kind of force the hand. There's five outside linebackers right now who could be active. And there's certain players who are core special teams players who can be deactivated. Uh, and I point to Kemalai Correa as one of those, as a guy who he's, he's a pretty good special teams player, but he doesn't do enough on defense otherwise to, to really be excited about having him on the active game day roster. But anyway, Tim Williams, if he plays well on special teams, and, he, and it was just a little two-man 
kick coverage drill that he was doing a good job of blocking his guy and maintaining position to not block the guy in the back. That's effectively what the drill is. But Rosberg, you know, pointed him out twice during that drill, and I was just very happy to hear that happening. And uh, and I think that's going to earn him some more defensive reps by being able to play good special teams. And then in terms of can he actually rush the passer, he's going to be given every opportunity, I think, to be Suggs' replacement. And 2018 is the year we got to figure this out because if not – 2019, 2019, the Ravens are going to need to draft another pass rusher to fill Suggs' shoes. All right, so let's hope let's hope he's the guy. Um, all right, let's close out the mailbag there. Um, upcoming shows, we got what we got about two months until training camp. That's right. So two two months until training camp. So we got a mini camp coming up, and we'll do a show about that. See, you know, what are the observations from that? I think that'll be fun. Uh, we're gonna. We want to do another show to have some guests on to talk about one about the offensive line. Uh, and he's an RSR writer, and I think you're gonna like uh, what he has to say. Should be a fun back and forth about the offensive line. We're looking for other people doing analytics projects. So if you want to talk about your football analytics project on air here, love to have you. We always want to support that. Uh, I'm interested in helping you in any way I can, even if you just want to not not talk about it on air, but just talk to me about it. That's fine too. And then one thing I promised you last time we still haven't gotten around to is having Maureen on the show and talk a little bit about what our regular process is as we uh, go through film study. And then you kind of get a sense of just how much she contributes to this. And uh, uh, very happy about the, about what she's contributed over the years, of course, to this. And she, she gets no credit for it. So she deserves a little. Right, and then, of course, once we get to that preseason is when we'll go back to the once-a-week schedule uh, until the regular season where we go to the two-a-week schedule. So there's plenty of film study in 2018. Yeah, looking forward to it, and uh, looking forward to another good year with you, Josh. It's been a lot of fun. Yep, yep, I can't wait. So um, have you written up about the OTAs yet on Russell Street? Yeah, so there's a, they're out there under camp notes on Russell Street, so they don't show up under – uh, the normal film study headings, and uh, and if you go over there and look at camp notes, you'll be able to find it. Uh, and some fairly brief notes, I would say, from Thursday's practice is what is out there. All right. Well, then everyone should go on over to Russell Street Report, check out those camp notes. And Ken, how can they follow you on Twitter? I'm at Film Study Ravens, and we've had some very good discussion recently on Twitter about a lot of topics, Ravens, Capitals, etc. Love to have you as a follower. Love to have you just toss in your comment with an at Film Study Ravens tag, and you'll immediately get access to a number of analysts who follow me as well. And, we'll, and you know, good discussion always starts when there's a good comment or question. Right. How about you, Josh? Where do they see your uh, your show? So my, my show is Section 336, and normally I plug Section 336. Instead, I'm going to tell you what the Baltimore Magazine uh, June issue says. They say Section 336 is finally a sports show that isn't all stats or yelling. Listen to these guys feels more like catching a game at the bar with your buddies than sitting through the second hour of first take. So I'm going to go with that review from Baltimore Magazine as uh, you guys should check out Section 336. That's outstanding, Josh. That's a, that's a really great review from a yeah. credible source. Yeah, something over, something over that magazine likes us. And there's a, this month's issue is the Newcomer's Guide. So they list like six, seven podcasts from Baltimore that you should listen to. And uh, we're the only sports show that they mentioned. So that was exciting. Very cool. Very so. cool. 
And what are you uh, What are you talking about now about the Orioles? I uh, well, but we passed the Memorial Day deadline, so I'm sure we're going to talk more about how the Orioles just suck and they're the most frustrating team we've ever seen play baseball. And then uh, it's trade talk. So whether it's Manny Machado or Zach Britton, um, Zach Britton to Houston looks good. Manny to Atlanta would be really good because they've got some good prospects. So we're going to have to start talking trades and and how do we make this team uh, work so that you can extend this window and not close the window with Manny, but make next year fun. Okay. Is there, is there any, obviously Jones is, is somebody that they would probably wouldn't mind letting go at this point, given the, the yeah, cost to resign. I think, the... Yeah. I think they right now they're open to discussions on almost anyone. Okay. Um, if I was them, I would not trade Trey Mancini because you've got him cheap for many years. And I would not trade Dylan Bundy. Outside of okay. that, anyone can go. Okay, so Jonathan Scope, who has a year left, this is this is the ultimate buy high time for him or sell high time for him. Yes, and the Orioles need to – I would love it if they extended him at this point, but they need to not make the mistake they made with Manny and either sell him or trade him or re-sign him this year. There you go. I, and, yeah, I mean, this season, the Orioles – this season, it's – done the Orioles can't do anything and uh you know what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Hanley Ramirez tomorrow because there's, there's the, the Red Sox let him go and just cut him so now you can get him for the league minimum and of course the Orioles are interested because that's a bargain and what the Orioles need are more washed up first basemen yeah, I mean that's that's it. The, Bill James had the defensive spectrum, which has DH at the right side, then first base, then left field, right. and and in in Baltimore it's really right field because that's the small field where yep. where Mark Trumbo can play. But boy, we do not need more players at the right side of the defensive spectrum. That's just utter garbage. Right. So Ken Rosenthal wrote about that, I believe, on Friday. So we'll get into that on Monday night. Sounds good. I'll be listening. All right. Have a good week, Ken. All right. Take it easy, Josh. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.